DJ PK, and we are joined by Mark Anderson from the Las Vegas Review Journal. He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no secret that Utah is in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is the solution for any commercial property. Concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain.net. Mark, good morning. Good morning. How you doing? Good. We have many things to discuss with you. Uh, mostly Pac-12, but you might have a Major League Baseball question or two based on some of the headlines sure. from the weekend. Uh, but I'm just really curious how much this surprises you, because I think you're coming up on, well, it's more than 20 years. You might be coming up on a quarter of a century in Las Vegas, and everything seems to be changing very quickly in the world of sports in Las Vegas. It's like a different town. Yeah, yeah. It's, I've been here since 99, so you're you're correct. Um, it's, it's unbelievable. I mean, if you told me and like moved, moved here, uh, how much does it do? I'm not shocked. We eventually got a pro team. Um, because I feared at some point that was going to happen the way the city was growing. Um, but you know, to have the NFL here, I never thought would happen. And now, you know, there's still, you now there's talk of the A's. There's talk about the NBA's a real possibility. Um, I'm not sure we can support three or four teams, but who knows? But it's, uh, it's, it's it is pretty incredible. Yeah, the thing that's got me nervous, Mark, is I am not going to be heading south out of uh, Vegas on I-15 on Sunday after Raider games, man. The traffic already is miserable. I can only imagine what that's going to be. We didn't have it last year because of no fans, but this year, it's it's just going to be incredible. Oh, yeah, I know. You're right. That Sunday, uh, whether you're going to L.A. or Phoenix on on that Sutter or up to Salt Lake on that Sunday, it's just just, uh, horrible. (laughs) But well, LA's already horrible <laughs> on a Sunday. I mean, to put a football crowd on top of that, I've seen that thing. At par- I used to live in Southern California. It was a parking lot. Yeah. Everybody has stories about it. Everybody yeah. makes that oh, mistake yeah. once. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I went through from LA to Las Vegas and t- took uh, took us seven hours to get here. Oh gosh, that was not fun. That was not fun. <laughs> what should be for? You know, the thing that caught my eyes the other day, you had an interview with George Klyakov, uh the. Uh, Back 12 commissioner, I assume, Mark, that you have a relationship with him because of his presence for the time that he worked in Los Angeles. And I not only saw your story in the Review Journal, I also saw it being quoted in several different places, media outlets over the weekend. So it got a lot of buzz. Uh, and we talked about it the other day, and I said, we got to get Mark on to have him talk about it. Um, the thing that, and there was plenty of stuff in there that caught my eye, but he was talking about the expansion potentials. And he said, you know, it's the schools that you would think of that have contacted the Pac-12, which we assume the, the remaining eight of the Big 12. But then he also said, and plus there'll be some that I think you would be surprised by, and that shot up our antennas. What do you think he meant by that latter statement? Yeah, the, I, I wasn't sure what to make of that either. Um, you have to figure any group of five schools reaching out to them, at least on, in the west western part of the United States. But I'm wondering if maybe there's like a big ten, couple of Big Ten schools out there, maybe a couple of ACC schools out there. Um, who are that are, are putting fewers out to the Pac-12? That's because when he says those, because you wouldn't expect schools from those conferences maybe to be reaching out. So that's what makes me wonder. Uh, maybe like there's a, maybe there's a couple schools in the ACC that are looking at their situations like because I think they get that really long contract at ESPN. They're like, you know, what's the what's the, what's the big play here? Is this are we going to just 
wait out this long contract where everyone else moves forward. I mean, maybe that's what's going on. I don't know, but that's that's kind of my suspicion because, like I said, you would expect with the five schools, you as, as you pointed out, all the big big twelve schools are, are looking to do something. So, um, yeah, that's 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 not the only thing I can really figure. So when he talks, and you went down an interesting line with him, and a lot of it's been covered, but the whole in-game in in betting thing seems like it's about to explode. Your ability to bet on your phone legally in a lot of places and to bet on you know quarter by quarter, inning by inning, uh, maybe even possession by possession, I don't know where this is going, that seems like a massive new revenue stream, and he seemed really dialed into it. And I thought his answer to you was really careful, not just legalized and all that, but he mentioned and taxed. For all of you on the fence, think about how much tax money your local city or state might be getting. Absolutely, and I think that's part of the big selling point. Um, you know, the big the, the argument that Las Vegas has made for years and years is that sports betting is is um, but is there's there's regulation here that it's it's harder to fix games here than it is places where it's, where you, it's illegal. But and if you looked at most of the the um, point shaving scandals, really pretty much all of them they're from outside of Nevada. Um, so I think now most places are have come around to that thinking as well, and they realize that if. If you really want to monitor it, you have to legislate it or, or you know regulate it, and then if you can take make money on top of it, <laughs> you know that I think that gets people really thinking. So, yeah, I, I think uh, I, I think uh, at some point it's just going to be everywhere. It's going to be legal everywhere, and uh, you know it's it's sort of like uh, it's sort of like uh, marijuana in that regard, where it's becoming. It state, uh, different states are realizing, you know, you can actually make money off taxing this thing. So I think that's kind of where you're, you're seeing that heading. So I've been reading a lot about Klyovkov. It was an out-of-the-box hire. Didn't know much about him until he got hired as they uh, announced it to succeed Larry Scott. Uh, was down in Los Angeles last month. We broadcast all day on Pac-12 Media Day. He came on. Seems like a real affable guy who has a good sense of humor and all that stuff. Uh, why do you think that the Pac-12 was interested in him as the commissioner, and what does he bring? Well, he, he's he's done some work on the sports side. He was one of the big drivers in helping Las Vegas land some NCAA championship events, including uh, the, uh, a, uh, not a Final Four, but a, a men's basketball regional and a Frozen Four the uh, hockey uh, final version of the final four. So he was, he was pretty big behind that. MGM of course is a huge property. Um, he sees it not only, he's handled not only the sports side, he's handled the entertainment side and he, and he understands the importance of, uh, you know, selling things to fans, to spectators. So I think, I think the PAC 12, especially when you look at the TV deal, and how they really need to get that going, get make the Pac-12 more visible. I think they, he, I think he probably brought some ideas ideas to them that showed he can get it done. So uh, it was, you know, it's definitely a, a an out of the box hire. I don't know this hire gets made ten years ago, maybe not even five years ago, but I think that where the Pac-12 is now, and where you also see, as we talked about the legalized sports betting and his background there, I think uh, I think the timing was just right for him. Mark Anderson joining us, sports reporter for the Las Vegas Review-Journal, has a long interview. You can find it online and read it with the Pac-12's new commissioner. And I, I thought one thing Kolovka kind of hinted at was 
that the league gets well compensated for playing in that fourth TV window, that late night game that is 8.30 Mountain Time and causes fans here to grind their teeth. Uh, But he also made the point, uh, while it's really valuable to the networks because they're the only Power 5 league that can play in that that window, it costs them when it comes to Heisman Trophy. It costs them when it comes to perception because by halftime, it is midnight on the East Coast and only the really hardcores are hanging in there. So he... Definitely is signaling that he wants some guaranteed earlier time slots. Uh, CBS has just lost the SEC. Whether they get the deal or not, will it force Fox or ESPN to guarantee them some earlier time slots? Or might they send part of the package to CBS so that they're guaranteed something while the rest of the country's awake? Yeah, and I think my suspicion is what's going to happen. They'll probably still have games at that time slot because that is such a wide open window in, in the West Coast and you do, you, you know, you're right, you're, you're, you're cutting up the East Coast audience but you, your primary target really is the West Coast and there are people who still want to see games that, uh, at that time so I still think that's probably going to happen but what's, my, my suspicion is is you're going to see more of a push for earlier games where maybe teams don't will play a limited number of games at night um, and they'll play more games earlier so they can get that exposure. So that's probably what they're aiming for, some sort of in-between where you, uh, you, you, where you get both. Um, you can still get the, get the more heavier money for the night games, but, but, uh, but not so much that you're, you're hurting yourself in the long run. I'm wondering what the hardcore Vegas people, the ones who have ties to UNLV, you know, the Tina Kunza Murphys of the world, uh, think of the Pac-12 coming into a town, uh, coming into Vegas, and establishing a presence because we know they're going to have the Pac-12 basketball, Pac-12 title football, uh, the bowl game is going to be involving Pac-12 teams, uh, maybe at the expense of overshadowing UNLV, I guess, to say. How was how that perceived in the Vegas area? Uh, I mean, UNLV, frankly, has really dropped down, uh, not not just because of the Pac-12, but the Raiders and the Golden Knights. Uh, and now if you get another, another pro sports team or two, it's going to be even more. I mean, UNLV is, I hate to say, it's really sad to say, but it's, it's, it's quickly becoming an afterthought. And, and you know, when you have a football team that's 0-6 last season, a basketball team that hasn't made the NCAA tournament in, I want to say, 2013 or 2014, something like that, you know, they're, they're just just—they're not doing anything on their end to, to get attention. And if they were good, I, I think you'd have much more interest. But that's just that's just the reality of UNLV right now. And, you know, the Pac-12 is here. You know, this, they, don't, they don't need UNLV. I know the lot of UNLV fans are, are really hoping the Pac-12 will invite them one day. I don't really see why the Pac-12 needs to invite UNLV because the Pac-12 is already in the Las Vegas market. So they, they're they're here without having, needing the team to be here. Well, one day you can have uh, Ed Graney write a, a big series on this. On he knows how San Diego State got over, overshadowed by the Chargers and the Padres, and it sounds like it's the same thing that's happening to UNLV. Yeah, no, no, that's, that's absolutely, and that's a good point about Ed. You're right. He he went to San Diego State, so he he knows. Oh, he knows um, it's a very similar deal there, but the difference of San Diego State. Now, one thing they've got one less mark with the Chargers out of there, right. but also their basketball team has been so good, and so you know it's become a national power consistently. And so, um, 
they, they do get a lot of attention. Even the football team, you know, has, has been consistently good for a long time. So I, it's it's not quite apples to apples, but it, it's you know, but that's what you that's what you have. I mean, you probably in Salt Lake somewhere with the Jazz, right? It's that BYU and Utah has such strong bases that you know, they're they're always going to draw draw a lot of crowds. So we got a new coach in Vegas, and what they're going to play some games, if not all, in the new stadium. That's not going to generate any buzz. Yeah, all, all yeah, they're all games at the Allegiant Stadium. So um, they just they got to start winning. That's <laughs> if they want to get any attention from fans or media, they got to start winning. I mean, it's, it's I, I say it's that simple. Obviously, it's not simple. When you're talking about Unity football, uh, but it's that's that's what they got to do. They got to start winning, and that's the only thing that's going to get people interested. Until that happens, if that ever happens, they're just going to they're just going to sort of be there. Yeah. The history of uh, college teams playing in NFL stadiums is not good. There's a couple there's a couple success um, stories, but there's a lot of them that are are not good. Uh, and no. so now you've got one and everyone's driven down the freeway and seen it. Uh, you've got one uh, domed professional stadium and now we hear the talk from from the A's is is there the money and the interest in Vegas to build another dome stadium? Well, I'm I'm really skeptical on that. Um, there's still a lot of controversy about how much money the uh, public money the Raiders got to build Allegiant Stadium. People still aren't, even though most of it comes from from really pretty much all of it comes from tourism. People aren't crazy about that kind of money being put into a, a stadium. So there's really little appetite to do it again. And then you throw a pandemic on top of it. I, I just don't see. I don't know where the A's will get the money from. I really don't. And so if you notice, they restarted talks with the city of Oakland about two or three weeks ago. I think that's probably why is because they realize that they, their best situation still might be in the Bay Area as far as getting financial help. Um, but they are scheduled to come back down here, so we'll see. Uh, you know, maybe they can be creative and work something out where uh, they can get something built. I just don't know how much public money they're going, if any, they'll be able to get for it. You're speaking of that pandemic. How much is Vegas back open? Oh, it's fully open. Um, they've now they've reinstituted some restrictions recently with the uh, surge. By uh, you have to have masks indoors, and now you have different properties. I think MGM recently announced that all new employees and. Uh, all management have to be vaccinated, so you're you're th- having things like that happen. But as far as people wanting to come here and visit, there's really very little change. So I'm, uh, you know, poker and you know, keep the poker face and all that. Are people playing poker yeah. masked up? I mean, what's going? On? How does that work? I think yeah, yeah. I think they have to. I mean, you know, when they made the mask optional, of course, that really meant that people weren't going to wear them. Um, but yeah, now that you indoors, <laughs> you have to wear them. I I'll be honest with you. I haven't been inside a casino in quite some time. Um, so I, I don't know how strict they're being as far as enforcing that. It may depend on the casinos and all that. I mean, it's really hard to enforce. I mean, you've got thousands of people, and it's hard to go to enforce everyone that wears one. But uh, maybe they are, I, I, but I couldn't tell you. You going to cover Arizona-BYU? Uh, I don't I don't think I'm covering. We'll probably, I'm sure we'll have someone there, but I don't, I don't believe I'll be there that night. How, how's the stadium look from the inside? Oh, uh, stadium. So, you know, it's it's interesting. It's got the interesting lighting. The the, the green grass just really just pops. Um, so it's 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 really nice. I, um, yeah, I I I've heard. I, I've you know I haven't been to 
other NFL stadiums very much, but I heard I guess Minnesota's probably like the and, and SoFi Stadium in LA are like the the gold standards, and I guess this is like just like a run below from from what I'm hearing. So, how many more early season college football games are getting scheduled into Las Vegas? Is uh, is Arizona and BYU the start of a trend, or is it going to be kind of a rare thing? No, they want to make that a, a pretty regular thing. You know, sort of uh, make this uh, make this something they do probably annually. Get to uh, get two two main teams in here, and and uh, you know, because I you know, let's be honest with you, this game's going to draw more than your average UNLV game. So, uh, I think I think. Uh, I think you're gonna if, if they can make it work every year. I think they'll 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 do that. Even look at what they've done with basketball. They've had marquee basketball matchups in here uh, every uh, early season. Um, it's all obviously harder to do with football, but but that's that's what they want to do in both sports. They want to have top top programs in both sports here every year. Well, PK would love to see you at that uh, Arizona. BYU game just to hear you say so that's what this place looks like full. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you yeah. remember it, but I... I do remember that. Yeah, it was it was the Las Vegas Bowl. Yes. Yeah, but that's that's what it took to fill up Sandboy Stadium. It was uh, I don't remember which Las Vegas BYU think played in thirteen straight Las Vegas. Yeah, Bowl. I think it was the first one, and you said it in a quiet moment. And the thing there was a bunch of out of towners like me who laughed, and there was a bunch of Vegas people who kind of silently laughed. <laughs> right, right, right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do remember. Yeah. That was, that, you know, that was the game that saved the Las Vegas Bowl. Exactly. I don't, yeah. I, I don't, yeah. I mean, if you remember, Las Vegas Bowl was yeah. really, there was, in fact, I even written about it, it was, there were real questions about whether it was going to survive. And uh, BYU saved the Las Vegas Bowl. And, and, and uh, you know, I know Tina Kunza Murphy got a lot of credit and she probably deserved a lot, but, but if, uh, if BYU doesn't come in that year, right. I, I'm not sure the game's still being played. Yeah. I remember watching a Utah State Ball State Las Vegas Bowl. Ball State <laughs> brought twelve people. I think Utah State brought about five thousand. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and tonight's attendance is five thousand and twenty-eight. <laughs> um, and I watched uh, San Diego State North Carolina, which was played in like sixty mile an hour winds. Both oh, punters yeah. had like zero yard punts. Uh, my dad was at the game and said that keeping the sand out of his hot chocolate was like the big, <laughs> the big challenge. He and my grandfather were there, and they said they were just holding on. Man, he said, "I just, I just need to make it back to the bus." Man, this is brutal. So uh, yeah. it was. It's definitely a different era for the Las Vegas Bowl. That's for sure. Oh, it is. I mean, now you got you got the uh, what the, the number three. Pac-12 team, I think, or number two. I don't. I think it's the three because I think they're trying to avoid bringing a team back that's been in the title game. Okay, yeah, and then against uh, either SEC or Big Ten each year, so yeah. that's you know that's, that's a different era. Before this game's come, yeah, it's a different era. Yeah. All right, well, Mark, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us and talking all things Las Vegas. It's uh, it's like a home away for home from Utah sports fans. It really doesn't matter BYU fans, yeah. Utah fans. I think uh, all Jazz fans agree. We're happy you're keeping your grubby hands off the Jazz, though. That was a that was a dark <laughs> era in the '80s, but that, that's gone now. Yeah, that's a, that was definitely on Salt Lake's team now. So yep. yeah, I think I think I think we're getting the NBA team maybe sooner than later. Who knows? But uh, it won't be the Jazz. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thanks, Mark. Mark Anderson. Right, thanks for having me on. Good stuff to give you guys. Yep. Sports reporter for Las Vegas Review Journal. Join us right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.